Welcome to Nourish. I am Michelle Fox, culinary nutritionist, health coach, and your host for this podcast. I teach busy professionals how to get more nutrition in their bodies and how to have more fun in their home kitchens. If you struggle with consistency or sometimes forget to make your needs a priority, you, my friend, are in the right place. Join me each week for inspiration to increase your energy, strengthen your mindset, manage your hormonal woes, and so much more. You have a lot on your plate, but that does not mean your nutrition should suffer. You deserve to live in a body and have a life that you love. So let's dig in. Hello, my friend. I am so beyond honored to have our next guest for this conversation. There are so many of us that are walking around, maybe a little dazed, maybe a little confused, perhaps wondering why I cannot let go of these last 10 pounds, regardless of what I'm doing in the physical realm and maybe even in the spiritual realm. My friend Melinda Jacobs has quite a few answers for us, and I have a feeling it might surprise you in one way, but I also have a feeling you're going to have this natural knowing, and I sense that there's going to be quite a few pause in this conversation because I will go forth and tell you right now, I have worked personally with Melinda, and the work has been beyond transformative, and so... I am vibrating so high right now, knowing that I get to share her wisdom with my community. And so beyond my personal experience, which we will absolutely get into in this conversation, I want to share a little bit about her and her bio. So Melinda Jacobs' life mission is to empower transformation personally and globally. As an international intuitive coach, certified clinical hypnotherapist, speaker, teacher, author, ministerial student, licensed practitioner, metaphysician, and massage therapist, Melinda has worked professionally in the healing arts since 1988 with people in 46 countries around the world. Her intuitive coaching practice, Quantum Therapeutics, specializes in empowering people to heal through and beyond trauma. In addition, she teaches how to develop intuition and navigate the world as a highly sensitive being. Her unique threefold approach helps people, one, resolve past trauma, two, learn more effective tools, and three, integrate the many aspects of self. As a result, clients develop deep compassion for themselves, get clarity about their purpose, and step into their best lives. Amen. I'm raising my hand as a very happy client. Melinda has studied extensively with metaphysicians, spiritual healers, practitioners of science of mind, and centers of spiritual living counselors, and many others. She holds certifications in clinical hypnotherapy, emotional freedom coaching, cellular release therapy, regression therapy, 
massage and craniosacral therapy and has done specialty training in addiction counseling. She is a yoga instructor and has been a Reiki master for over 30 years. By combining her heightened sickness sense and unique trainings, Melinda offers a unique perspective on people's internal and external relationships and how to achieve a more self-realized and fulfilling life. You understand why I wanted this woman to be on our show, right? So Melinda, welcome. Michelle Fox, thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor you know, that is not a 30 second elevator pitch, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, and to encompass all that you are and all that you could be, there's no way we could even like get that on the written word or on the, the paper. So <laughs> I just so appreciate you sharing what you have with us because I know it informs the wisdom that you bring forth to me in my life and that we're about to dig into in this conversation. Mm, so I have quite a few questions, but first, just so my audience can get to know maybe some of the sillier sides of you, I would love to invite you to play a rapid fire game with me. Are you open? Yes, please. Oh, yay. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> How are you feeling? You'd be one of my playmates. <laughs> Bring on the silly. <laughs> okay. So when I say sweet, salty, or savory... Which one comes up for you? Sweet. Mm. Mm -hmm. With all of the beautiful, spiritual, and supportive pieces that you bring to the world, there's also that business piece that you need as well. And so with that, this question goes to that part, which is inbox zero or inbox 10,000. Can I say 643? <laughs> Definitely not, definitely not a zero. <laughs> and thank God it's not 10,000. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Last but not least, would you be willing to share one of your favorite childhood memories in the kitchen? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> do you want the mischievous side of me or do you want just the you know, daily. Wow. That was an interesting that thing that happened. And I now understand why I have such germaphobe issues. <laughs> well, when you put it like that, we need to hear both. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Get, give it to us. So, so I have recently come to appreciate my mother as, as this person who was so beautifully and wonderfully ill-equipped because she had three highly intelligent children we're talking high IQs and we were bored. That's not a good combination. And so my brother, one of my brothers and I, we would constantly find ways to torture my mother. Oh. And, and so one day my brother found a, a wind up tarantula and he wound it up put it in the microwave, close the door. And we went to our respective rooms and our, my mom came home and putting away the groceries <laughs> within a few moments, we heard the ensuing scream. So mm, yeah, there, there was that. I, I'm feeling trauma for your mother right now. <laughs> oh I, I have since goodness. apologized. <laughs> we, we have since gone back, apologized like, wow. But to appreciate it from 
oh, this poor woman <laughs> having these very intelligent children who would find extraordinary creative ways of entertaining ourselves. <laughs> Misdirected intelligence is not a good thing. The second thing is, you know, the, the five second rule. And, and back in the day, I mean, this had to have been in the seventies when there was carpet in the kitchen, just absolutely gross. And I will never forget the one pork chop that fell out of the pan onto the floor and immediately went back in the pan. And ever since I'm like, "Mm -mm." (laughs) (laughs) ew, (laughs) ew, yeah, it's a very big cringe factor there. So there you go. Oh, that's kind of funny. But just for clarity, when you're saying never again, is it never again to pork chops or never again to... Never again really trusting what is that seasoning that's on my meat. It's just very... (laughs) I'm always a little suspect of what is that really... Is that really pepper? Is that really paprika? Or is that something that came off the floor? (laughs) Is it fair to guess that maybe you are more responsible for cooking your own food these days then? That's probably very true. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yes. And to bridge, I I even feel like I'm tripping over myself in my head because I don't know that there is like a, a bridge from the silly to going straight into the trauma. Perhaps you see it differently. But when I talk to my clients, I could talk until my face turns blue about the nutrients we need to put in our body and how we put together our meals and the meal planning. However, what I have learned over this past year is that there's just a wall that my clients tend to come up against. Cause it's like, yeah, 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 Michelle, I hear you talking about food and so-called doing all the things you're telling me, but I can't seem to lose the weight and I feel stuck in my life. And I, you know, they don't say it this way, but I put everybody before me. Like I don't have my own needs. However, in my, just the little bit of work I've done with you, I've seen very quickly how you have been able to go in, dive deep, clear out some trauma And that's actually opened up a whole new world for me. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But how do you approach that as far as the eating, the self-image, not being able to lose the weight? I know we've talked about trauma, but can you just say a little bit more about that? My gosh, we only have 30 minutes, right? (laughs) I know, I know. Let me condense that down. So, so what I know from my own experience, I had an, an eating disorder and was in hospitalized when I was 20. And so I'm very, very familiar with the ins and outs of difficult relationships with food, difficult relationships with body image, difficult relationships, period. And so how that translates to food, body, weight, eating, nourishing our bodies, supporting ourselves is is we tend to bump into ourselves. We bump into the part of us that maybe was neglected and is, I'm, I'm using my words for myself, this is my own story, that's still having a little bit of a temper tantrum in the corner, stomping her feet, digging in her heels, and just waiting for someone outside of me to show up and be loving and kind. Mm. It can show up that way. 
with the food, one of the phrases that I use with my people is who's in the cookie, who's in the snack, whatever this, you know, the preferred snack is. I had a client who would have this late night eating habit that she just could not get beyond. And I asked that question. So I think it was a hot dog or something. It was just some obscure food item that would not be a a nutritional craving. So this is an emotional craving. And I think that's an important thing to dissect and, and peel apart is, is this a nutritional craving or is this an emotional craving? And so a lot of our cravings are emotionally and trauma informed and based on that. And so I asked her, so who's in the hot dog? And she stopped and she's like, oh my gosh, when I was a little kid, my uncle used to come home late, late, late at night. And he was really, really drunk. And we would have this really intimate, close conversation that just, she felt seen. She felt heard. She loved her uncle so much. And he died years and years and years ago, but the habit was to connect with him through this ritual of midnight snacking on hot dogs. <laughs> and so the suggestion was, okay, beautiful. I'm, I'm so glad we know who's in the hot dog. Now let's make an altar. Let's bring him back into the space so you can relate to him directly instead of relating to him through the food. So to answer your question, how do I do this is I just listen and I really am looking for what's underneath the behavior and, and whether it's my wiring or my intuition, I don't know. I just have this ability to really feel into it, to see it. There's like this something that it's, it's like, it just makes such perfect sense to me. That idea that it's so much easier to see the forest when you're above it rather than when you're in the trees. And I get, I get that kind of image for people when they're talking about their food, their struggles. And, and, and I know that we're just collectively as a society, we don't really do a very good job teaching ourselves, teaching our children how to more healthfully be present to deeper feelings, difficult feelings. We we've gotten pretty bypassy about it. It's like, it's all God and it's all good. And I'm like, is it, is it really all good? Like all of it really? <laughs> I'm just not sure I can buy into that. And it's, you know, the get over it. And, oh, that was so long ago. But the thing is, is those experiences from our childhood, from last week, <laughs> from the pandemic, they get buried alive within us. They're still there. And they're, I always think of them as like, I've used this with some clients. If a child came to you dirty, hungry, and was crying and said, would you please help me? would you slam the door on that child? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, no, I would never do that. And it's like, okay, so why are you doing it to yourself? Because these parts of us that we're bumping into, the parts that were struggling in childhood or didn't have food, like there's a lot of food insecurity that's coming up. <laughs> we're bumping into parts of ourselves that had an experience in the past that may not be happening now, but that part does not realize that times have changed, that they're no longer living in that moment. And in fact, that part is 
in that time, in that space, in that dimension, still having her groundhog day, their groundhog day again and again and again, there's no food in the house or mom and dad are yelling at the dinner table, you know? And so there's all these things that contribute to, I just want a hot dog at 11 o'clock and I don't know why. Mm. This is a beautiful space to insert a little bit about my experience, because as you're speaking, I'm thinking of an uncle who I had that kind of beautiful relationship with. And he was at the time, one of the only adults that I felt like could really see me. And he was really excited about teaching me math. And he's the one who taught me how to read a clock because I'm looking at the clock on my wall over there. And I just always remember being so excited to see that uncle. And yet there was another uncle who, you know, I've never spoken about it publicly. And there's also still people that it might affect. So I will just say another uncle who harmed me when I was at the age of five. Mm -hmm. And after my work with you, I found it fascinating, like with a capital F fascinating that I have lost my taste for alcohol. And I did not come to you for that. Like, I've never seen myself as a person with a drinking problem and or, you know, I don't think I've had many issues around alcohol, but something in our work together, which I'm really hoping you'll help me unpack, helped me to just release it. Like, I've been to four parties since you and I have been together, and it's not even been a question. It's like, where's the sparkling water? Where's the regular water? It's not even like... Any of the head trash that has happened in the past of, you know, am I going to drink tonight? Do I not? Like nothing. I'm just like, it's just not in my sphere anywhere. So one, I imagine because of certain questions you asked, I imagine a lot of women with childhood sexual trauma come to find you. And then two, would you be willing to break down maybe what happened in our session that perhaps contributed to this, my lack of desire for alcohol? Absolutely. So first, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's a big, big thing to come out in this, in this platform to share that. And and I know that many of your listeners have, I'm sure had some kind of similar experience as have I. And so, you know, when things happen that we don't have the capacity to process We don't have the understanding. We don't have the awareness. We don't have the words for a lot of people for that, that kind of violation as a child. I don't actually call that sexual abuse because a child's mind doesn't put it in that category as an adult. We can call it that, but to a child, their experience is I got touched in a way that felt confusing or just not right to me in some way. Like there's a sense of that, that wasn't okay, but I don't have the language or the capacity to understand. And so, so we don't process it sometimes, oftentimes many, many people I've worked with thousands of women. And so this is a very common thing is that it just wasn't safe to talk about, or it got dismissed. And so we shut it down. And I think that's a lot of people's experience is we are not victim advocates in our country. We are victim blamers and shamers. It's unfortunate, but it's true right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think of that unresolvedness of that experience like a thorn in the paw. 
right? There's something in there doesn't belong there. And now we're going to have to walk a little wonky. We're going to have to walk with a little bit of a limp just to not bump it. And over time, our compensation of that thorn gets more creative and more elaborate. For the majority of the people that I've worked with who have had similar experiences, and it's surprising how common that is really, to look at the child aspect of ourselves who figured out a way to walk with that thorn in a way to minimize the ouch of it through the use of food is quite creative, quite clever. And I'm always like, clever little girl. Oh my gosh, you were so smart to be able to tell my 20-year-old self wow, you were drowning in a sea of unspoken trauma from your childhood and you learned how to binge and purge to get you through that time of your life. Good job. I am so glad that you figured out a way to survive until we had better resources, we had better understanding, we had better support, we had better tools. Like, thank you for figuring that out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know very many people who have thanked their little ones for picking up a destructive habit. (laughs) Oh, yes, we are in new territory right now. I'm leaning in. And so to, to shift that relationship is a very powerful healing. And so here's what happens. And this is why cellular release is such an interesting tool. And this is not the first time I've heard this. I had the same experience. First time I experienced it, I walked away a non-smoker. Not one little bit of my clearing had anything to do with smoking. And so what happens is when we clear the cause, when we take the thorn out of the paw we don't have to limp anymore. We don't have to compensate anymore. And so the need for the compensation just disappears. Mm -hmm. Now that's not everybody's experience, but it's pretty amazing to know that that's possible. I worked with another woman who had 10 children and had lost like 150, you know, some exorbitant triple digit number of weight with 10 children, but she couldn't kick the caffeine. She's like, I have tried and I have white knuckled and I can't just like you said in your, you know, the mind trash is like, Oh, I need to give this up. And part of us is just clinging on like a cat on the screen. I don't want to give up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we did a little bit of clearing and she said, caffeine's gone just like that. And so I think the power of recognizing the cause that's underneath the habit. The habit's not the problem. The eating is not the problem. The cravings is not the problem. It's the thorn in the paw. Let's get the thorn out and let's stand upright. Let's walk a little more firmly in ourselves and in our power. And so for some people, that journey is a very long journey. For some people like you, it's just like, boom, I'm ready. I was just ready to let that go. And I just needed that one thorn. And I don't, I have no idea. I don't have your file in front of me and I forget. (laughs) Thank goodness. Once I close a file, that information is not in my head. So I don't even know what we talked about. (laughs) 
That's so healthy. And I believe I came to you originally because of the weight loss piece. Cause I'm like, Mm -hmm. here I am a culinary nutritionist. I know how to eat. I know that I need my sleep. I know that I need to exercise every day. And I've been doing these things. And yet the weight kept climbing up. And I heard you on a podcast with my good friend, Jennifer Roth, her podcast, Manifesting Clarity. Love her. And you had mentioned the weight loss piece. And then I went to your website and I saw the weight loss. I'm like, well, maybe Melinda has some answers. And sure enough, I don't think we even really talked about weight loss either. However, along with the alcohol has come just a natural releasing of the pounds. Like I've lost six pounds already since... It's been maybe a month since we've worked together. Wow, congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. And I truly haven't made many changes except for that I am more clear on who I am Mm -hmm. and that I am worthy, which was another fun surprise. I didn't realize that I was struggling with that myself because I've been helping other clients with worthiness issues I didn't know that maybe that was the mirror that I needed to see as well. And I believe the work that you and I did together, you gave me the word trust, that I trust Mm -hmm. myself. And so that's what I've been walking with. And so I thank you, Melinda. It's been amazingly healing. You're so welcome. And, And for all the people that I've supported in the weight loss journey, what I think is interesting is, and this is where the this is where the rub is and this is the challenge and it's it's a it's a big paradox is how do we enter a healing process knowing that weight loss is the goal and not make it about weight loss because there is this subtle not subtle self-hatred that comes with i will love myself when I will respect and take care of myself when I deem myself lovable and it's at this number. And so that particular mindset is a little bit of a challenge. And and I've seen many people get to the place where they let go of the need for the body to be any different than it is. And they start loving themselves right where they're at. And that's, you know, have you seen those finger traps where you put your fingers in and if you pull back really fast, clenches down, right? It's like, I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight. That's us pushing away from our own self-acceptance. How do we learn in a society that does not honor a woman's journey of maturing and coming into her wisdom and natural changes that occur with our body temple? How do we learn? In, a, in this society to accept ourselves in our fullness, in our allness, in our little bellies, in our hips, in our roundness. How do we learn when society says you're only lovable, valuable, if you're younger than 30, if you're less than this weight, that is an uphill journey. And I'm here for it. I'm here to walk that with people because <clears throat> I'm kind of done with people with trying to twist myself into some mold to be acceptable to some amorphous being collective outside of myself. Mm -hmm. And yet it is a billion dollar industry around weight loss. And how much of that is actually geared at self-acceptance, recognizing fat shaming, 
beginning to understand everybody is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm all about that. And as we're talking about this, I feel like we should probably take a step back because my friends who are listening and they're like, wait, what did Michelle do with Melinda? And what I came to you for was the cellular release therapy. So can you just touch a little bit about what that is and how that works? Absolutely. So it's done in a relaxed state. And what I love about this process is what I'm doing is I am talking to the data keeper, the subconscious mind. It has all life data. Everything that an individual has heard, seen, felt, thought, feared, believed, experienced, it's data. And it's here in our cellular memory. And there's some questions, and and I sit on the fence sometimes, there's some questions about the data itself. It's like, is this past life data? Could be. Is this my soul's journey data through lifetimes? Could be. Is this familial? It's been passing down through DNA coding? Could be. And so regardless of where the information and data came from, if it's here with us, it's ours to deal with. So hats off and just standing ovation to every person that's listening that has been the person to break family patterns. I've, mm-hmm. I work with a lot of those individuals. They're the first person to see the cycle of abuse, to see the cycle of dysfunction and say no more. Mm-hmm. Not not happening anymore, at least not in that form. I'm going to do my inner work. I'm going to heal it. And so I love this work because you do not have to be in the feeling state in order for clearing to happen. That does not mean that at some point you need to learn how to feel your feelings and be present to them without eating them away. That's a skill set that I help people develop. But the process is asking the subconscious about experiences. It is not a memory recall process. This is not a past life regression kind of where you're getting information about past lives and all that exciting stuff. I don't do that kind of regression because the conscious mind gets a little too excited about the details and the information and the ego grabs onto it. And that's not actual healing. So we're just sifting through experiences that my client will tell me about and that through the conversation, I'll, I'll gather and I'll get some more information. And then I ask the subconscious, can you release and clear these experiences? And has there been more than one, more than 10, more than a hundred, more than a thousand, more than a million times that you felt not good enough or that you feel like you have failed at your health goals? Like those are really common things or that you've experienced self-hatred or that someone has criticized your body. Like we, we just hold volumes of data mm. and some of it doesn't feel good. And so the subconscious will give us a yes or no. That's through a finger gesture. And this is a permission-based process because I don't know, Michelle, what's keeping you safe, stable, and functional. I have no idea what that need for alcohol was for you. And consciously, we only know four to 8% of all the data. That's not a lot. And so when we can go to the data keeper and go sift through all the data, we can get a lot of thorns out of the paw. We can get so much so that the inner world, the nervous system feels more settled, more grounded, 
in addition to the cellular release, I also teach skill sets because that's important with this work. I also do emotional integration. We meet the different parts of ourselves, which is important to this work. But just to address the trauma is huge for most people. And, and I often say that what I do with cellular release is I start where most talk therapy stops. Most talk therapy, we, we understand our childhoods. We understand the, the messages and why they're not true, but part of us still holds on to it. It's like, no, that's pretty much true. That's what I experienced. So that's my truth. But the truth of our being is we're pure potentiality. Mm. That's it. We're pure potentiality. Anything mm. other than that is probably a limitation or a distortion of the truth of our being. And so I'm just here helping people sort through that data, asking the subconscious, can you release and clear this? Getting a yes or no. Once the subconscious says yes, I give a directive. I tell it to release and clear. It's long and boring, as you know. And and so we can address hundreds and thousands and millions of experiences in one session. And for a lot of us, it takes multiple sessions. I always get excited when people like you are just like, oh my God, I just gave up alcohol. And I'm like, fantastic, because it's possible. I love that you're sharing what's possible. One hit wonders, it's possible <laughs> for a lot of us. <laughs> Not to say I won't be coming back to you, you know, right. on the road for something else. Right, but right. For now. But for now. It's amazing. Yeah. And so, so with weight loss, I generally tell people, you know, really commit to this, invest in you, and let's get some really deep clearing done. Three to five sessions, we can get a lot done. If there's been a lot of violation, if there's been a lot of abuse or neglect, that takes a it takes some time, but as you experienced, you didn't have to talk for days and days and months and weeks and years about giving up alcohol. And that's the beauty. I think that we're here to exponentially grow and heal to catch up with the exponential changes that are happening on the planet. And so tools like cellular release are coming available so that we can do volumes of work in a much more condensed time. Did that answer yes. your question? <laughs> it absolutely did. And I already know I have friends leaning in like, oh, where can I find Melinda? And we'll, of course, link all that in the show notes. And I'll ask you in a moment. Mm-hmm. But the first question that I would love to ask, because I also know that they are feeling this, is how would someone know? And actually, I'll just keep it personal. So how will I know if this is an emotional craving or a food craving, as you talked about before, what would be some maybe things I could look out for that? Right. The body's never going to naturally crave a toxin. (laughs) Oh, say that again for the people in the back. (laughs) The body will never crave something that is not a natural substance. It's not going to crave a chemical it's not going to crave anything that would be outside of a natural nature-based meal plan. I mean, it's, it, it is that simple. And sugar has been shown to be the number one most addictive substance on the planet. Like that's, and, and I say that knowing that after we get off, I'm probably going to go get a Starbucks chai, you know? So <laughs> I am not all the way there. And so I think that we need to hold it 
hold our healing and hold our humanity gently, give ourselves a lot, a lot, a lot of grace and, and other ways that we can know that it's an emotional craving is that I just ate. I hear this all the time. I just ate and I'm still hungry. I'm like, I don't know that that's physical hunger. And I don't know that most of us really even know what physical hunger feels like. Mm. Oh, that's good. Right. I'm surprised when I feel my stomach rumble. I'm like, oh. And that's not a sensation I feel often. We should feel that three times a day <laughs> or maybe, right. you know, or, or a couple of times, depending on how you're f- nourishing your body. And so there is a chemical craving. The body will crave sugar, but once you're off of it, that craving does go away, but there's a detox process. And I think that's the challenging piece is how do we support ourselves when one person in the family system says, I don't want to do this anymore. And everyone else doesn't change Oof. a little bit of a challenge. I, I get that one a lot with meal planning. Yes. It's like, well, That's, yes, Michelle, I'll release gluten, but my husband would never do that. So I have to cook two meals and I'm like, oh, no, like let's find ways that we can make this work for everybody. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. And I think gentle invitations into, can we all up level our health and I, and, and you, you just mentioned such a powerful point that a lot of people's health goals and health journey get I'm not a fan of the word sabotaged, but usurped the rug gets pulled out of them because it puts everyone else around them into a choice point. Do you want to get healthier? Do you want to get healthier? And a lot of people don't. And it's not to say they don't want to be healthier. They don't want to go through the discomfort of meeting themselves and looking at all those things that fed into this habit or this craving or this food or this substance. Do you want to know who's in my chai? (laughs) Do you know what's in my chai? Here's why I have a hard time giving up chai. Starbucks chai. Tell me. And I have struggled with this. And for people who've listened to me before, you know, this is the bane of my existence is Starbucks chai. (laughs) It's addictive because it's got sugar in it. So there's a chemical, there's a physiological addiction. Okay. I I acknowledge that. Here's my emotional addiction. I recently last year found out I have autism. And so I feel a little disconnected and sometimes a lot of disconnected from most of humanity it's hard for me to feel really that deep, intimate connection. I get that through my chai. The people at the the baristas know me. They're like, oh, how are you? I will bring my cats with me and they get to see my cats. And it's this very deep, intimate, I feel connected. I feel seen when I go get my chai. (laughs) So Mm, that makes so much sense. So looking at the habits around what people are doing and eating and, and asking yourself, how do I feel as I'm eating this? What is, what's happening around me? It's not the food. It's everything that's happening around. There's a connection, there's a celebration, there's comfort, there's, you know, a sense of a companion. Oh my gosh. The number of people, it was like, food's my best friend. At the end of the day, food's always there for me. And I get that, but our best friends are not going to 
be destructive to our health, to our well-being. That's not a good friend. Mm. Did I answer oh your goodness. question about how would we know if it's an emotional versus a physical craving? Yes, and more. My heart is so filled from your <laughs> wisdom and your compassion and your love. Thank you so much for showing up for us today and, and bringing your full self. And I literally could talk to you another two hours. I know this because we've done this before. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and, and I want more. However, mm -hmm. to be respectful of your time and, and of our listeners, I know people are like, okay, Michelle, get to it. Where can we find her? Where can we find her? So where can people find you? So my website is quantum-therapeutics.com. And you can also find me on YouTube. I have some old videos and some newer videos. Melinda Jacobs CCHT is my YouTube channel handle. And then for those of you who are into meditation and visualization, I'm on Insight Timer, Melinda Jacobs, and find me on Insight Timer. And I do have some weight loss meditations and visualizations where we imagine and and love on the excess weight as as a form of protection and then imagining unzipping it like it's a suit and you can just feel the heaviness falling away and maybe you still need it you're not quite ready to be out in the world and maybe you're ready to walk out into the world without it so i also offer some visualizations that kind of help and support that journey I will be heading over there before I go to sleep tonight. You have my word. How amazing. Oh my goodness. Well, is there anything else you want to add before we close? I do. I just want to say that these are challenging times. These are unprecedented times. We have never in our, in our collective history been so emotionally synced up because of the internet We've never been more informed about what's happening around the world. And for those of us who are sensitive, please be gentle with yourselves, beloveds, please. It is a very, very stormy, energetic world that we walk into every single day. And whether you listen to the news or whether you're having conversations of what's happening out there politically, socially, economically, it's stormy out there. And so just be gentle about how you're comforting yourselves and, and sit in the question mark of don't rip away the whoopee. Don't try to give up something. Instead, turn your attention to what could I do also? And so for me, I'm looking for where also can I find that connection that I get through my Starbucks? Because once I have that connection, my body's going to, like yours, naturally drop away the need for it because I have something else that's much more effective. So my message is, is be gentle, be kind. Thank you, Melinda Jacobs. You're welcome, Michelle Fox. You are listening to this podcast, which means either you or somebody that you know and love is likely going through perimenopause and or full-blown menopause. And I am so excited to share with you that I recently published a digital guide entitled, Is It Hot in Here or Is It Just Me? 
Seven steps to dramatically reduce your hot flashes through the power of nutrition. And I wrote this book with you in mind, my friend, because it took me some time to figure out the answers to heal my own menopausal symptoms like hot flashes and night sweats and tummy bloat. But I got here and I have figured it out and now I am thrilled to be able to share it with you. And so if you too are struggling and want the quick answers to stop struggling, then just head over to michellefotz.com and you will see a photo of the book cover. Again, that is, is it hot in here or is it just me? Seven steps to dramatically reduce your hot flashes through the power of nutrition. You are not meant to suffer and I would love to be on your healing journey to help you feel better. You deserve this. Thanks so much for listening to Nourish. Have you been driving, doing laundry, or walking around the neighborhood? Sweet. I've got show notes for you. Hop on over to michellefox.com forward slash podcast when you are ready. I will let you know that on the page, you will find resources to support what you just learned on today's show. And then of course, you can grab some health supportive freebies as well. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would leave a review on whichever podcast platform you are listening on. It will help me with my mission to build healthier communities one person at a time, and it will help you because you will be part of that mission. I'll be back next week, and I encourage you to keep showing up for yourself and know that you and your health matter. Big love.